And welcome to this week's edition of An Organic Conversation, a show about food, ecology, stories from the land, recipes, nature, sustainability, interconnectedness, relationships, and life itself. Yes, this show is about the stories from the land and beyond, the stories of people in this movement towards a better world, a healthier life, a greener business, or a more connected community. It's what I remember from my childhood, the moments that stick out when I look back, experiences that long have turned into my stories, or really the overall story of my life. We all have those stories. We all tell stories. We all are stories from the moment we were born and even before until we are long gone. So today we are dedicating this hour to the power of story as an instrument to connect, empower and heal. Story for all, creating connection through words. Our topic today, and we're speaking with a very special guest and dear friend, Angela Zussman, about her truly amazing work in communities everywhere with and through story. We're your hosts, Helga Helberg, Mark Mulcahy, and Sitarani Palomar. This is going to be a really great episode and talking about things that create connection, things that become us. I'm going to take this as an opportunity to talk about a really interesting thing that came up in the news lately. Another thing that becomes us is the food we eat. We talk about that on the show a lot. But there's been some new uh, attention put on plants. And there was an article published in The New Yorker by Michael Pollan, who was talking about back in the 1970s, there was a book called um, The Sacred Life, The Secret Life of Plants that talked about how plants respond to their environment and they have a certain level of, of intelligence. And later on, a lot of the things that were that were used as evidence in that book were not recreated through tests. So it kind of gave us a skewed view about really what is possible and what goes on in the lives of plants. But there is a new attention on something called plant neurobiology, studying the fact that plants may have more intelligence than we've given them credit for. They do seem to have a sensory and response system because they react to changes in the environment. They react to changes in water and light and gravity and temperature. So this was a fascinating article to read about some of the things that have been tested in the plant world to see just how much cognition do they have. They found things like the sound of a caterpillar munching on leaves can cause a plant to go into distress. And the way they measure this stress is that it increases a, a secretion of defensive chemicals and things like they grow to avoid obstacles. There are all of these new revelations about plants having senses, five senses potentially, just like humans and animals do. Humans are animals, but maybe even more. So this is just a really interesting beginning wow. point of a conversation. You could talk a lot about evolution and biology, and but you could also talk about one of the first things that occurred for me as somebody who was raised vegetarian is, what does this mean for the vegetarian and vegan community who choose not to eat animals because they have consciousness? If we're recognizing that there's a certain consciousness in plants, what what what's next? Where do we go from there? Yeah, if a carrot hears Mark munching and is flipping out, that's a pretty direct response. Mark, what's your take on this? Well, I actually eat very quietly, so it might not hear it. <laughs> um, well, you know, when I when I when I hear things like this, it's um, 
kind of deep down in my core, it makes complete sense. It's like I always knew this. Um, it really um, helps me to um, more concretely understand what I've known all my life is that the things here on this planet are smarter, have more value, and are in deeper relationship with with each one of us than we've ever known. Um, so it just, it's like it's not occurring to me as news. <laughs> it's occurring to me as this may be new to us and how we pay attention to things. But it really just makes complete sense that um, everything here is just as alive or just as intelligent as everything else. Mm. Yeah, I, I completely echo that, Mark. I, I think it's interesting in, in our relatively short lives of, Mark, you're in your 50s, I'm in my mid-40s. I can't remember um, when we were not surprised that we found something that we already knew. It's like the blueprint of life is so complex that there there shouldn't be any surprise of intelligence and connectedness and that everything, you know, meets everything else and is in relationship to. We already know that. It feels like every poet has known that for thousands of years. You can go back to Rumi and before. It has been described over and over. The only department that has not really caught up yet is science. That's what it feels like. Everyone <laughs> or, else knows. Hey, Or man, right? <laughs> exactly. Music, poetry, we, are, we know that. We know it in our gut. We know it. We know it in our hearts. And exactly, and man. Um, so there is this kind of doctrine out there or that, that belief, and it's a, it's a male trait. It's really a male belief um, that as long as it's not proven, we should be in charge, right? We will prove it, and then it's almost ours instead of believing that, yes, we just haven't found the connection yet, but it's there because we are so in awe of creation, of that blueprint, of the feminine, of of that, you know, all life purpose connected entity that that is this planet and beyond. And so, yeah, really no real surprise that plants have a consciousness. I'm, I'm sure we'll find amazing things in the next hundred years again that we, as science is getting m more detailed and better and on a molecular or even um, smaller level than that, and um, only to confirm that, yes, everything is connected and we should be really careful and honoring how we revere things and hold things in nature. So, yeah. <laughs> and however you believe, I wouldn't expect any less of God. Yeah. Right? I mean, exactly. or of the world, of the planet, of, of the wisdom of the universe, however you believe, I wouldn't expect anything less. Right. Yeah, whether whether it's creation, whether whatever form of creation you personally believe in, of course it's connected. It, it makes no sense to think, well, there were houses and humans and then there are trees and everyone lives their own life. Um, we already have known or be, become to understand and, and scientifically proven how things are connected. And in those studies, I even wonder why have we not duplicated those those tests from 1970? Why does it take us 40 years plus to to come up with a new study that puts us back in awe of the plant life mm -hmm. as one form of life. Anyway, thanks for bringing that up, Sita. Beautiful.
Uh, you're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helber. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And we should actually make that a it sounds like a year worth of, <laughs> of radio shows. <laughs> um, let's see if we can get Michael Pollan on the show and and talk about this further because it's really fascinating. Beautiful. I'd rather get. I'd, I'd like to get actually a carrot on it. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> put a microphone in front. Let's see. Yes. <laughs> Our topic today is story for all. Connect, creating connection through words with a wonderful guest who will be talking about her amazing nonprofit that has an impact in communities all throughout the country and beyond. But before we dive into that topic fully, here's our weekly tip from the world of health and beauty, uh, brought to you from the world of health and beauty, Chef Sita and her holistic bite. Thanks, Helga. Well, switching gears, I want to talk, maybe not totally switching gears from a conversation about the health benefits of plants. I want to talk about supplements today. And I think that there's a lot of confusion around supplementation. What should I be taking? How much should I be taking? How long should I take it? And I, I really do think that the baseline thing before you start any regimen is definitely to speak with your doctor or nutritionist. But that being said, because this is something that you can get without prescription, it's something that people are thinking about as they're continuing on their health resolution this year, I wanted to share some of my favorite supplements with you. And most nutritionists that I speak with when we talk about supplements are talking about them as something that supplements your diet. It doesn't replace the nutrients in your diet. It supplements things that you may may not be getting in your food already. And for that reason, a lot of times they don't think that supplements are something you should be taking indefinitely. You take them for periods of time. I actually had a, an incredible conversation with a friend recently who was telling me about how she was... Um, she was experiencing like some symptoms of carpal tunnel. She had a lot of pain and she was occasionally wearing um, one of those braces. braces. Yeah, braces around around her wrist. And she had said, do you have any suggestions about what might I, I might be able to do to help treat this naturally? And I said, well, the first thing that comes to mind is turmeric. Turmeric is an incredible anti-inflammatory. And I assume based on this pain, you could you could have some inflammation. And she said, great idea. I'll think about that. And then the next day she came to me and she said, you know what I realized? I used to juice every single morning and I put turmeric in my fresh juice and I didn't have any problems. Three weeks after I stopped juicing, I had to start wearing this brace. So the foods that you take to help with your health and the way your body feels last in your body longer than the instant you stop taking them. So the same thing is true with supplements. You don't need to be taking them indefinitely. You can go through periods. So some of my favorite supplements tend to be foods, like I suggested turmeric to my friend. Things like maca. Maca is really popular in Southern America, comes from Southern America. I believe it is a root, and you can get it in capsule form, and you can get it in powdered form. But the thing about maca is that the, the Incas used to take it to help with strength and stamina. These were warriors. So this was obviously a critical part of their, you know, the way that they move in the world. It's also beneficial for hormonal health in men and women. So one way that you might incorporate maca into your diet is it has kind of a multi flavor. So you could use it in chocolate protein shakes. 
That's one really great way to start getting some into your diet. Another thing I like to add is hemp seed. Hemp seed is a great way to get additional protein because it has great protein in it. It also has a great balance of essential fatty acids. And so that makes it a really good source of omega-3 for vegetarians and vegans. And a really easy way to get hemp into your diet is to put it on top of your yogurt with a little bit of cinnamon. It just adds the it adds more protein to that breakfast or a snack. Chia seeds, similarly, they have got great omega omega-3 fatty acid profile and they're really easy to digest. You can add them. They get kind of gelatinous so you can cook with them to make um, to make puddings but you could also put them into a smoothie. Nutritional yeast is one of my favorites because it is a micro protein. It adds small amounts of protein but it also has vitamin B12 and it's as far as I've ever been able to find the only naturally occurring vitamin B12 in a vegan source of food. And then the last thing to just touch on is blue green algae which is which is like spirulina right algaes that some research is now suggesting are the only foods that you could live on indefinitely because of their profile of nutrients. They are a good source of protein. They have a great spectrum of vitamins and minerals. I really enjoy it because I find that it helps to balance my energy, my mood. It promotes skin clarity and blood sugar balance. And, you know, if you like sea vegetables, there are lots of ways you can incorporate this into your diet. I personally am not a fan of sea vegetables, probably because I was raised vegetarian and the taste of sea vegetables makes me think of the taste of fish. But one way that I like to do it, and this is something that I learned at Pure Food and Wine, which is an all-organic vegan raw food restaurant in New York is to put blue-green algae into grapefruit juice. Something about the bitterness of the grapefruit juice helps to tone down some of those sea-like flavors and it highlights the sweetness of the grapefruit. It's a brilliant blend and I highly recommend it and it is not the same with orange juice. So try some blue-green algae with grapefruit juice to get those amazing benefits into your diet. And as I said, before beginning any supplementation regimen, speak with your doctor, speak with your nutritionist, but this is a good way to just get some introductory foods. And if you're curious to learn more about other supplements, as well as the supplements that I talked about today, visit our blog at anorganicconversation.com for more tips. And that was this week's Holistic Bite. Thank you, Sita. Sita Rani Paloma, a.k.a. Chef Sita, with her weekly update from the health world of health and beauty. Mark, supplements, what's your take? Well, you know, I've been in the natural products industry for 30 years, and so I've read many reports and heard one one year that this doesn't work and one year that this supplement <laughs> does work and that this one provides value or this one doesn't provide value. So, you know, I've always been in the camp that you should be able to get what you need for your body through your food. Um, I've also read reports that that's not completely true as well, but it's still what it's what really makes sense for me. Um, so, uh, learning about some of the things that you brought up, chia seeds and maca and, and, you know, Helga was talking about mushrooms and things like that, mushroom powder. Uh, that's, that's where, that's what makes sense to me. And so that's what I go with. And for, for me, food, it is clear what you're getting, right? It, they know that basically if you're eating an apple, you're getting, you're getting pectin, you're getting vitamin C, you're getting fiber, you're getting these things. Those are true things. You don't have to go get a, have a scientist prove it for you or anything. Just by eating that, you're getting that. So I think all you did was, you know, further cement the idea that I'm going to continue to be on this path and maybe add a few more of those foods into my diet for, uh, you know, just 
be even healthier. Yeah, it brings us back to the blueprint of life that we just talked about with that plant study. So interesting. Um, when I see a multivitamin and you have like 30 vitamins and 20 different minerals and they don't occur in that combination in nature at all, um, then I always wonder how the body should recognize this. It's not, you know, it's not about vitamin C, for example. Um, you need bioflavonoids. You actually need what's called an orange and, and eat almost all of it to absorb vitamin C fully. You need the bioflavonoids too. And now you can get vitamin C that have a few bioflavonoids added, but we already know there are 600 bioflavonoids and they find new ones all the time. And I don't believe you just need all the bioflavonoids. You need them in the exact um, constellation of how they occur in an orange. And that might change every week with the, with the season and with the ripening of the fruit. So it's like, uh, again, we are trying to extract a snapshot of life and then call it a supplement. When it comes to food, uh, yeah, Mark, you said before the show, we talked about dried mushrooms and other things we can add, how many people eat blue-green algae on a daily basis or chia seeds. If that's really, if those are powerful foods and there are easy ways to integrate them into your meal, I think that's beautiful. It's like, you know, cooking mushrooms. If you don't do that every day, mushroom powder might be the next um, thing from there. But again, when it comes to supplements that are so even if they're food-based that are so complex that they don't mimic existing food, um, I always wonder what the body does. Because it's not about ingestion. It's not about what you put in your body. It's what the body can met metabolize. And absorb. Absorb, mm -hmm. exactly. exactly. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, we'll stay on top of all of that, of course, for you. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And with us is Angela Zussman, the president of a wonderful nonprofit that uses the power of story to transform lives and communities. Story for all, creating connection through words, our topic in this hour, that and more when we come back right after the break. Stay tuned. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. And we are back to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Our topic today is story. Story for all. Creating connection through words. We all have stories. We all tell stories. We all are stories. And with us is Angela Zussman in this hour to give us really the, the idea of the impact and the power stories can have in our daily lives as she is using her nonprofit to transform communities all throughout the country. Welcome to the show, Angela. Great to have you here in the studio. Thank you. Nice to be here. <laughs> so, Angela, recently uh, Helga and Sita came back and they were so excited because they got to attend uh, your opening of your of the exhibit that you have the the 
project about African-American youth in Oakland. Can you tell us why they came back so excited or, or a little bit about this exhibit? <laughs> Gladly, yeah. I'm glad you guys came and got to see us in action. Um, for the past two years, we've been overseeing a project called the African-American Oral History Project, which was a partnership with us and Alameda County Health Services Agency, Center for Healthy Schools and Communities, and the African-American Male Achievement Office, which runs through Oakland Unified School District. And the challenge was that um, the folks at African-American Male Achievement Office were trying to uplift the voices of African-American male youth who are widely misunderstood and misrepresented and really wanting to find a way to uplift their voices so they could be better understood and therefore we can take better care of them, find solutions that really meet their needs. Um, great idea, but as many people have found, collecting the stories or the voices of a community can be kind of challenging, which is one of the reasons why I founded Story for All, because this is something we want to help people do. So we were brought into the mix to come up with a way to collect these stories. Um, what we did um, is that we uh, recruited and trained a small group of African-American young men. We trained them in oral history methodology and videography. And then we got them out on the streets and schools and various locations to conduct peer-to-peer -peer interviews with other African-American young men to collect experiences, um, what they thought about their schools, their neighborhoods, their families, and really create a safe space for these young men to talk about who they are, what's important to them, what's working, and what's not working. So that, that group was how many, f seven, eight? How many interviewee viewers did you have? Um, ended up with a group of six. It was a six-month training. For um, six people, six um, young African-American uh, men, they were in the age of... High schoolers, and actually one yeah. of them was Latino, <laughs> not African-American, oh, okay. but he really wanted to get a better understanding of the people that are his neighbors and in his community, so he he wanted to be part of the project so as well. So six high schoolers, six mm -hmm. months training, you, you gave him a video camera, basically, and equipped them with the basic knowledge of how to conduct interviews and sent them off. Correct. And um, they were asking questions, which we saw in the exhibit then, um, who is your role model, right? Uh, What's your take on hope, right? What do you see your what future? You Amazing yeah. questions. Who, who came up with those questions that were asked? Yeah, that's a great question. We, we collaborated with the youth and with other, you know, the stakeholders here, Alameda County Healthcare Services Agency, wanted to know certain things. Um, Oakland Unified wanted to know certain things. The youth wanted to know certain things. Um, and then myself as a background as an interviewer, I wanted to know certain things. So we all came together and said, these are the questions that we should ask. And here's how we can frame them so they make sense to this group of interviewees ranging from the age of six up to the age of 24. So we had to make sure that the questions made sense. Um, and then, yeah, we took to the streets and to these schools and had to modify our question list somewhat um, and got some really interesting results. The exhibit was so profound and powerful when I got there. So the name of the show today is Creating Connection Through Words, but you went far beyond just words to communicate the story. There were beautiful photographs. I mean, we're talking like practically floor-to-ceiling imagery of, of what the experience of, is to be an African-American youth, particularly in Oakland, where you conducted this. And their voice, to me, was so loud. 
It was so amazing to walk in and see them and see their words and big, beautiful texts and actually hear them because you had video recordings playing. It was just, I really do feel like it achieved the objective of getting their voice out there and helping people to understand. And I want to transition into talking about your nonprofit, Story for All, and using power of story to build community in many different communities. Why story? Well, I'll use the African-American History Project as an example. And the final, the exhibit that you came to was a big part of our process, where not only is there this step of collecting stories, which I'll talk about the impact in a moment, but then there's that next step of sharing those stories with the wider community. That's a huge part of our methodology, and that's something that sets us apart in many ways from other oral history organizations. So we created this exhibit and a book called The Griots of Oakland, Voices from the African American Oral History Project, to share these voices with the rest of the community and beyond. We hope way beyond Oakland. Um, So why story? Um, First of all, stories affect our brains in ways that I think are really interesting. And here's where, again, I guess science is sort of catching up to what human (laughs) beings have known all along. I mean, we've always used stories to communicate and connect with each other. That's, I think, part of what makes us essentially human is our use of story to communicate. And one of the reasons science is finding this to be so effective is because how it affects our brains and specifically how it connects us to our emotions. So there's an emotional impact of a story that you don't get when you just hear data or when you connect with someone maybe on a more superficial level. So that ability to um, attenuate our emotions is what makes stories so effective in helping people to learn, helping people to remember, and therefore helping to affect change. If you want someone to change their behavior, if you want to see cultural change, it really has to have an impact on someone. Pure data is never going to do that. You're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And we are in the middle of a story, Story for All, Creating Connection Through Words, our topic in this hour with Angela Zussman, the founder and president of Story for All, um, a nonprofit out of Oakland, California, storyforall.org, for more information, who's using the power of story to create change in communities and change lives. Um, Angela, I want to come back to uh, a sentence you threw in there. The the capturing of the story in itself is such an important part of it, right? It's not it's not only the story as a standalone piece of connecting and and emoting um, and and relating to to one another, but the giving somebody the voice, right? Lending somebody a microphone as as we do with you right now, to to tell their story, to being listened to, right? To be heard. Um, how how important is that? Equally important as the story itself? What have you found? Even more important than the story itself, actually. Mm. Yeah, this um, giving someone a chance to be heard, listened to, is I think meets some of the basic human needs. We all have the need to feel that we are valued, that we're valuable, that there's meaning in our lives, that we have a contribution to make to ourselves and to society. So just giving someone their voice, giving them the space to speak their truth, gives that person that sense of meaning and value. So that in itself is incredibly powerful. And I've seen people have massive transformations. Even, you know, I did this 45-minute workshop once, and this woman had a massive, massive breakthrough just because for the first time in a long time, she had been given the space to speak and be listened to. 
Um, so it's really, really, really powerful. And that in itself has a big impact on some of the youth and some of the people we're working with because they'll say, and some of their parents have come back to us to say, no one has ever listened to us before. No one's ever asked us what we think. They're always telling us what they think we should think. No one's given us the time to speak our own minds. So that in itself really contributes to self-esteem, self-confidence, and the sense that I matter. And that's really the starting point for someone to be a positive contributor in the world. And, and somehow in your work, you have mastered the, the, um, the, the ability for a visitor to come to an exhibit as the one in Oakland, California, still right now going on. Um, until the end of February, is that right? Right. Yeah. yeah. If you have a chance to view that, it's at the African a African American e Museum yes. and Library at Oakland, Oakland, California. Um, you have somehow mastered to show that the capturing, even though we were we were walking into the exhibit and these were just the stories or just quote unquote the stories that were captured, but somehow the the aspect of the capturing of the story was fully communicated because the expression was so raw and and loud and it was clear that nobody has ever asked these young folks um what they think of hope what they think of the future what they think of safety in oakland what so all stereotypes kind of broke down within the first two minutes of what you know what people usually perceive great <laughs> <Super>. <laughs> that's so good to hear yeah, yeah. <laughs> exceptionally powerful and very surprising actually because um yeah it it, it blew everything that i thought I would learn and see out of the water. It was it was almost like an event that you have given a community to express itself. And it was, you know, much less scary for me or much more familiar. I could actually identify with everything that was said. It was beautiful. At the end of the exhibit, you were in love with that community. Great. And I'm sure the community was, was in love with itself at that moment, too. Yeah, and the book as well. You know, parents are telling us, my kid can't put this book down, and, and, you know, he never reads. And one of the reasons is because he's never seen himself portrayed in a book this way. Um, the book, by the way, is also called The Griots of Oakland, and it's available on Amazon.com and also BarnesandNoble.com. It's a, it's a beautiful work, and thank you for your compliment. I, I don't know if mastery <laughs> is the word, but um, we have a great team, and we're very interested in um, really re retaining the sincerity and brilliance and nuance of the voices we capture in such a way that that is also made accessible to the audience. And that kind of speaks to the next part of our process. So one part is the person telling their story and the impact that has on them personally. And then secondly, there's taking it and presenting it to an audience, a larger audience. What impact does that have on the storyteller? And what impact does that have on the community? Let's come back to that. Um, that's Yes, we want to give that the real floor. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And in this hour, we're telling the story of stories, story for all, creating connection through words with Angela Zussman, who's the president and founder of Story for All, a nonprofit out of Oakland, California, that uses the power of story to change lives and transform communities, storyforall.org that and more and the impact it has when we come back right after the break. Stay tuned. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. 
Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. Working from home is awesome, except when it's not. If you're working from your couch or your coffee shop, chances are you're not your most productive. For thousands of entrepreneurs, co-working is the answer. Next Space is a co-working company with offices in L.A. and the greater San Francisco Bay Area. Find an innovative workspace, a built-in community, and great networking opportunities at NextSpace. Visit nextspace.us for more information. NextSpace, your best work happens here. And we are back to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Our story in this hour is Story for All, creating connection through words. Storyforall.org, a very powerful nonprofit out of Oakland, California, that uses this, the 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 skill of listening and the power of story to transform lives and communities everywhere. With us is Angela Zussman, the founder, and um, we just talked about the current exhibit in Oakland at the African American History Museum, uh, still going on until the end of February of 2014, end of February this year. If you have a chance to go there, it is life-changing and beautiful. And if you don't have a chance to go there, you can check out the book, Griots of Oakland on Amazon, which is a beautiful depiction, basically the elements that were taken to put in the exhibit. You can see it anywhere. And it does apply <laughs> to every community, I would say, around the world. It has nothing to do with Oakland as much as it does have to do with Oakland. Well, that's what's occurring for me, Angela. When you, when you were speaking, I was going, the truth can't hide when it's allowed to be revealed. And, you know, all of us, liberal, conservative, whatever our beliefs are, all hide behind things because we've created our own story about something, which is what you right. were talking about earlier. So what? So in bringing this to light, how has that changed the community that you interviewed? And I, for me, even more importantly, what are the, what are the, um, what have you seen how it's been changing the community outside and the perception of that community? Yeah, well, um, I would say we've been able to see some great transformation in some of the young people that we worked with, particularly the youth that went through the training and got out there conducting interviews. So one of them, this is just so great. I just spoke with him the other day. Um, This has completely changed his life, being part of this project. I can say that 100% with great joy because this is what this is all about. And he came into our program really, really shy. I have to admit, kind of scary, like scared all of us in the room, you know? And we were thinking, okay, we're not really sure what this guy is doing here. And then he stuck through it. Um, he, he stayed through the whole process, coming out the other end. He has told me, his mom has told me, he is a much better speaker now. He can speak to adults. He has eye contact with people. He's got a plan for his life. Um, throughout this project, he's become really interested in videography. He applied for a scholarship at a local college and got it. Really? He's now being asked <laughs> to speak all around the Bay Area on this topic. He was invited to speak at a local church. The pastor took him out to lunch afterwards and said that he worked for a corporation that wanted to give him $5,000 to help him make his dream come true. So this is what happens when you take action. I mean, this young man took action, right? He came to the class. He came to all the classes. He took the advice that he was given, and he has completely transformed his life. And his mom said to me, thank you so much, because this project has brought out the best in my son. 
the best that we knew he could be, now we see it coming from him. And there's no end to where he can go. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And that's what a lot of um, the community members are saying to us. And I think also... So that's on the interviewer side, right? right. That's, the, that's yeah. the group, the six high schoolers who went out and conducted those interviews. Right. Amazing that that can have a life-changing transformation already occurring, right? As just the person who did the work, actually, of right. listening, right? He did, he did listen and found his own voice in that. What's the effect on the community that you've seen? Well, for some of the youth that we interviewed, they've also reported just being completely blown away, their families, to seeing themselves in a book, for one thing, <sighs> um, seeing themselves in an exhibit. Like Sita was mentioning, some of these portraits are eight foot high, just beautiful, beautiful close-ups of these beautiful young men. Um, the mayor of Oakland came to the opening. These, she was asking these boys to sign her book. Um, they also got to sign a book that was going to be given to the Obamas. So those kinds of things stick with a young person sure. forever. And one of them said, yeah, just being here, just knowing that people care what I have to say has completely changed me, just knowing that people care. So that's an impact on that second population, which is the group of youth that we interviewed. As far as the rest of the community, you know, as much as I would love for it to be true, you can't change a culture through one book yeah, or one months. exhibit. Yeah, in, yeah, in two months. So um, there's definitely, I think, a lot of hope that's been garnered. There's the methodology is being seen to be very effective. The fact that we um, very consciously wanted to portray some of the positive aspects of these youth instead of focusing on the same negative stories that are told over and over again is a methodology that I hope people will use after this. And uh, we need to do more work. So we're currently fundraising so we can create curriculum, create modules and trainings so this book and the materials around the book can be used in schools, in businesses, um, for people who work with youth of color and beyond so that we can have more of a lasting impact. So we really see that this is the first step in a much larger process if we want to bring around cultural change, which we do. Mm -hmm. mm. Can people um, contribute on your website? Yes, okay, absolutely. Big, big plug, <laughs> storyforall.org. Um, that's the president and founder, Angela Zussman, only to give us a taste of how impactful that exhibit and the work overall has been. And in order to grow it and continue, storyforall.org. Check it out for more information and considering making a contribution. Mark. Well, so, Angela, we, we've talked about the change of the interviewees and we've talked about the community. And so what about you? <coughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have to say, you know, this, this project is one of our first, and in a way it was a big experiment. You know, I was fortunate in that the people that sponsored the project understood the power of story to be a health intervention, literally, and as a way to build and bond community. Oh, so wonderful. I was very fortunate in that fact that they already understood that. Um, and then for me, I was like, okay, I mean, I gave this thing everything I had, let me tell you, and it took everything <laughs> that I had. Um, and it was just remarkable for me to see these young men and to see the light shining in their eyes and to see this very diverse group come to this opening and have this beautiful, positive experience. I mean, the energy in the room was so beautiful. People were having fun, enjoying themselves, and actually being blown away by this information. So I got to see that it works, you know. This methodology, this process that we've created, it works. It's not 
easy. You know, it's, it takes a while. It's not cheap, but it works. And it has changed people's lives. And the possibility Lasting in the future is so. much more. Yeah, Last, yeah I mean, we're exactly. really trying to create change. So like I said, you can't do that in just one or two little sessions. You've got to get in there and continue to do the work. So moving forward, um, we're really excited about our potential to help other organizations tell their stories because we see this is another way we can create lasting change in the community. If other communities, other organizations that are doing great work, if we can help them tell their story, build connections with their own team members, with their own constituents, they're going to be more effective. So that's a direction that we're taking, too, to really help use the power of story to create change in the community. Um, Any specifics you can share with us about where we might see Story for All working its magic in the next few months and years? Well, we have a couple of things under wraps that I will, um, I'm will. i really excited about that I will tell you maybe on the next show. Okay. Okay. Little, okay. But one of the things also that we're initiating <laughs> right now is an oral history of urban agriculture in the Bay Area. And this is a project we want to do as an organization because we see this is a story that can have impact, massive impact on an entire community. So we want to do the same thing, recruit young people, train them in the methodology, and get them out there collecting the stories of urban agriculture. Who's doing it? What are the benefits? And why should this be interesting to you? So that's something that we're um, kicking off this year that we're also excited about, that we encourage participation from your listeners. Absolutely. The, the, story, the story continues. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much, Angela. Yes. My pleasure. A beautiful story. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Again, that's Story for All, Creating Connection Through Words and Images and more on all levels. The interviewer the interviewee and the community at large. Um, a great exhibit right now going on until the end of February in Oakland at the Natural History Museum. If you haven't seen it, if you have a chance to come. Um, oh, not Natural History Museum. African American Museum, Museum and Library. Great. Thank you for that correction. Mm-hmm. In Oakland, California. Otherwise, storyforall.org. Again, um, with us, Angela Zussman, the founder and president of that nonprofit. Thanks for coming in today. It's so wonderful. And yes, um, can people also get the book on yes. on your, um, tell, tell us about the- The Griots the, of Griots. Oakland. The book, um, it's amazing. I really encourage people to look at it. You can find links from our website, but you can also find it on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble. The Griots of Oakland. Griots is spelled G-R-I-O-T-S. And it stands for? It means a, a storyteller. So in communities where the storyteller was revered, is revered, um, who holds the legacy of a community. Wonderful. Wow. Thank you, Angela, for all your work and for coming in again. Um, now the story of produce will continue <laughs> <laughs> with an update of what's going on in the world of carrots and pears. Mark Mukehi and what's in season, that and more when we come back right after the break. Stay tuned. Produce is ever-changing, seasons coming and going. At Earl's Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earl's Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons, so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com.
Life's a game, and so is work. And just like any game, sometimes your team is in a slump. Maybe it's a new team, maybe there's conflict, maybe you're under pressure to keep up with your own success. Whatever it is, it is time to get your game face on. The ultimate game of work combines game design with executive coaching to create high-engagement workplaces. Boost your team's creativity and performance by designing the game you want to play and win together with the ultimate game of work. Enticed? Learn more at ultimategameofwork.com. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Story for all, creating connection through words. Um, and now it's the story of produce. We are transitioning into the world of fruits and vegetables. Here's our weekly update from the produce doc. Our very own Mark Mulcahy with What's in Season. And it's tangerine time. You've heard Tulsa. You've heard of Tulsa time, but it's tangerine time right now. <laughs> it is the time of citrus. It really is. And I know you're probably saying, "I see citrus. I've seen citrus in the store for months." But being a little bit of a particular palate of like I do have, I think now is really when we're getting into really the best citrus time. And I know you got you you guys consumed many boxes of Satsumas over the winter, which and, were really good, and, and they're amazing. Yeah. But now we're starting to get into things like Page and Fremont and Pixie and you know Miniolas and all that type of stuff, which is just such a wonderful time because they, you know they come in and you get to enjoy them and they're gone. And who's shoveling in the back there? And so we brought the dock to us today. <laughs> instead of instead of calling Earl down at the dock, we brought the dock to us. And he's cutting away at all types of different varieties of citrus. And so while he's talk, while he's cutting, I, I don't know if he can talk and cut at the same time. Sure, sure I can, Mark. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> Multifaceted. So, Earl, it, you know, I mean, would you agree with that, that this is citrus time, that if, if any time during the year that this is when you've got your probably your most varieties, you've yes. got all your different complexity of flavors? Yeah, they've been on the tree long enough. They've had a good cold chill. They got these... Uh, uh, the the days are warming up a bit. The nights are still cold. Uh, they're high color, full of juice, uh, incredible sugars. Yeah, this is definitely the time. And the variety is at its highest peak. Uh, many, many citrus is, is uh, many pieces, different varieties are, are picked too soon. And I've run an endless amount of people. I'm sure you have, Mark, that say, no, I don't, I don't like that. Or, you know, they, I don't like the way they taste. And it's generally because... They've eaten at a time of year when they're not ready. They're anxious to try something, and they get there, and they try that new piece of fruit that's just emerging just out right now, just picked. And it's in November, and it's a navel oranges, and it doesn't taste anything like a navel is going to taste like now. And that's why we, when, when Mark introduces you, usually when you're on the phone, he calls you the voice of the market. And it's so true. That's what Earl's Organic Produce as a company stands for, right? You pick mm -hmm. for us basically whatever is in that one week two week three week window mm -hmm. really never a variety that is completely not you know that shouldn't be consumed right now because it's so acid or just not in season or whatever it's really yeah. it's a you follow the path of of perfect produce however close we can hit it at, at any given point but um looking at the table that you brought there with how many <laughs> varieties do we have here in the studio uh, and the, the uh, scent is just waffling through the, <laughs> through yeah, the studio. Yeah, and the, and the colors, so beautiful. You, can see the, you can see the light glistening yeah, off of dripping. the freshly it's cut uh, uh, product. <laughs> you know, with citrus, and 
uh, what's so great about it is that when you cut it, you can tell right away if, if it's dry yeah. or not. And then one of the things you're looking for in citrus is that it's got to be juicy. And you can tell by the development of the cells and, and how it's aligned to the skin where it's at. And right now, these are all just full and plump. And, you know, it's that uh, um, that uh dripping down your chin sort of situation. Yeah, onto the pole, into the studio, on my computer. Exactly. Well, that's yeah. why they say That's why I sign. put my computer away. Yeah. Um. So, what do we, so what do we have here, gentlemen? This is a collection of more than half a dozen different varieties. What do we got? So let's start off with right now is, is really there's so many tangerines that come into the market, and now's the time to be grabbing them. And we have this little small one, can't be more than about an inch and a half in diameter, maybe two inches deep, deep orange color on the outside, deep orange color on the inside. And what are we looking at here? This is a Fremont, Mark. And so... Is that readily available throughout the country? We have listeners all over. You know, not as much as, as some. Um, the uh, We've been carrying about the last five years or so. And uh, what I like about it is it's how intense it is. Yeah. It's really to the point and very focused. Uh, it does have some seeds and gen generally is on the smaller side. It's like a little bit like a, a larger ping pong ball. It's tiny, actually, and oh, so flavorful mm. and wow, juicy. I want a case of this. It's wow, amazing. this is good. But yeah. if you're saying you would really have to look for it on the East Coast right now. Or, I think so. Yeah. Now, the East Coast also is populated by specific citrus from Florida. Right. And they have a little different situation going on, different varieties flourishing a little more humid weather down there. So we're, we're focusing mostly on the Pacific California. Northwest, yeah. Yeah. And, but a lot of the Midwest gets, like if you're in Minnesota and you're in different mm -hmm. places like that, then you're get, you're probably getting some of these varieties of, yeah. of that we're going to be talking about. And what so, else do we have here? This looks like a mini grapefruit. What is the oh, starker? Well, that, one's a, that one's a cara cara. And mm -hmm. uh, I only cut a little bit of that up. You can see to have some. And that's that's a, a different variety of a navel. Sorry, uh, Mark. I, I forget <laughs> what the cross of it is. Caracara is a navel. isn't a cross. No, no. How about that? No, and it has kind of a pink gentlemen. color here, yeah? A pink color mm -hmm. on the inside? And some people call it a pink navel. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's got definitely characteristics of that. It's a little milder. Um, a great... Uh, Beautiful structure. Yeah, great choice. Great, very colorful. Great, um, yeah. And yep. what about what about this miniola? Ah, uh, yeah. That's the piece of fruit with a little knob on the end. Uh, that's one of my favorites because it's got so much acid and and sugars it's i mean so you can eat it early where it's got a lot of acid it's very tart let it uh, a month later it's got more sugars and it mellows and it's got some great flavors going on in there do you eat all this just straight right now it's citrus season and you just yeah. fully dive in and it's the vitamins you need to fight the cold and it's just perfect how nature works with us in that way but yep. what's your favorite way of eating any and all of these well for me i, I do a lot of juicing it's, uh, my morning every day is the juice uh, and it's citrus and, and I do a smoothie. Um, the I'm a big satsuma guys, as you all might know, but that season is over. That's behind us. So for me, it's little tangerines. That's my fit because they're so focused and intense and the color is always so mind blowing. It's always very, very deep. You, know, you can get uh, you can get pale uh, uh, navels on, and valencias on occasion and grapefruits, but the little tiny uh, varietals of uh, mandarins and tangerines, they're my favorite. And mm -hmm. one little tip is that if you're going to get them, you can store them at room temperature at home, but be, but be willing to endure some seeds. You will not regret it one bit to be willing to try some citrus, some tangerines with seeds because they are 
the the taste it will it's just phenomenal beautiful that was this week's edition of uh, what's in season and we'll have <laughs> earl back next week and uh and, yeah. and check out the blog earl's organic has an amazing blog with all the different citrus that are in season you can see what they look like you can read about what they taste like and then go buy some yourself mm-hmm. yeah that's right thanks, thanks earl. Well, then, a great hour, a good dose of <laughs> super fun and super inspirational. I really just am so moved by that conversation super with citrusy. Angela. Super citrusy. <laughs> so before we exit today's fantastic episode, Helga, I know you have a story for us. What's Helga's organic moment? Yeah, there is, a, there is an organic <laughs> moment. Well, looking back to my childhood, there are two areas of stories. Um, The ones where I see myself in specific extraordinarily powerful circumstances, like jumping off a cliff or great joy or faith shuddering disappointment or something like that. And the stories that were told to me where I got lost, actually so lost in listening to the story that I barely remember the scene or moment in which they were told to me. Both types of stories are equally dear to me, and both types of stories still live on in me. One of those many stories that I only experienced through someone else telling me about it is the story of a German pirate. Um, His name is Klaus Stürtebecker, who in 1390 sailed the North Sea and the Baltic Sea between Scandinavia, Germany, and Eastern Europe. He was very smart, a great sailor, and for many years he escaped every single attempt to capture him. So after more than a decade of robbing dozens and dozens of ships, a pact was made between a few coastal cities to build a fleet especially designed to protect the trade ships in that area and to hunt Klaus Stürtebecker. He was finally lured into a trap, so the story goes, and captured with his entire crew in 1401 on a tiny small island in the North Sea right outside of Hamburg called Helgoland. (laughs) And and me, Helga, telling the story. No, it's Helgoland. Helgoland. Um, And as it is German tradition, he was granted one last wish, and he requested it to line up his crew for his decapitation and that the officials would free every man of his crew that he would pass walking by his crew without his head. Of course, they were laughing about that and granted him the wish. And the story goes that after his decapitation, he got up and he walked without his head 12 meters and thus freed 20 of his men until officials threw a piece of wood between his legs and made him stumble and fall. I've always found this story so amazing and that the mind can override even without your head on it, your body. And I mean, there's so many aspects of of amazingness to me. Um, my father told me this story dozens of times, and I love him for that. Today, I realized that both my father and Klaus Stürtebecker, through this story, have and will live on in me forever. And tag, you're it. Now this story lives on in you. Words are flowing out like endless rain into a paper cup They slither while they pass, they slip away across the universe